You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. Yesterday, we talked to Mike Renner. We talked to Sage on Tuesday. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to go to my bookie and pick every game straight up and against the spread. But as has been the case every Thursday, my buddy from our ESPN days, Mike Sando, joins us. Mike, how are you today? Doing great. We've got some good games this week, too. I'm, yeah. I'm excited, about, excited about the slate. Yeah, it is a good slate, even with a lot of teams on by. Um Mike and I, Mike Renner and I, kind of breezed over the trades. But I want to get your take on some of these. And my first question for you: Did it surprise you that the two NFC North teams, the Lions and the Packers, were quote sellers rather than buyers? Yeah, you know, I think that it did. With, with Detroit, they had just made a trade for Snacks Harrison, so so that was a signal of. You know, hey, you know, we're trying to add. We don't have, we don't stop the run well enough. Maybe this can help us for a stretch run. Then they went out and got, you know, Chris Carson pounded it into their face <laughs> in the game. Oh, right. yeah. oh, by uh, the way, and yeah. you know, I don't think it was a quick reassessment here. I, I think, you know, you're. They didn't do like monumental things that dismantled the, their teams. I mean, I think it, there's still room to look at the future, make a long-term move that, you know, doesn't make you better on paper today, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're completely throwing in the towel either. So I understand the criticisms of the moves. Um, you know, I probably, I wouldn't have necessarily made them, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in their in the Packers case, in the Lions case, they know that these players are not in their long-term plans. They have some other guys, young guys in the secondary for Green Bay, which they've needed to have for a while. And they have some other receivers in, in Detroit. You know, Kenny Galladay's come on. So I understand the moves. I don't think they were just terrible moves. They're just a little curious. They are, I mean, especially because both those teams are in it, at least it looks like on paper. Um, a couple things I didn't say yesterday is Montgomery doesn't, I mean, they gave up a 2020 seventh round pick for Montgomery. <laughs> Which means he was getting cut, and the, the Ravens just didn't want to fight with other teams on waivers for him. Absolutely, and and the Packers, you know, really weren't that interested in him signing with Minnesota or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Just they right. control where he goes, and they just want to be done with it. Right. Know, well, that's uh, a, the least compensation you could possibly give a team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> future seven now. <laughs> right. Not, you know, you're not. Wow, you know, it's just sort of like, hey, this is a transaction. This is, you are getting them on waivers. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And Clinton Dix, I mean, that one was a little bit shocking to me, but he's been rumored to leave for a while. They didn't pick up his option. They have drafted defensive backs. The defense looks like it's, you know, shaping up. Yep, absolutely. So I think you can see what teams were doing. I, I liked the fact that Philly and the Rams were, you know, trying to add the you know, the Rams wouldn't have to do anything. They're undefeated, but they're trying. They're always trying. I think that sends a message, too. Yeah. I wonder, One more note I just wanted to say on the Lions is I think Patricia has a very good feel for what his team is now. And, you know, you go get Harrison, who's a Will Fork. He's a Malcolm Brown. I mean, they always have those huge defensive tackles. And I know that the Patriots have utilized slot receivers in the past, but... I think that offense is going to be run the ball, take deep shots, maybe start to get tight ends more involved. It wouldn't shock me at all if they get if they add a tight end in the offseason of prominence. That I think he realizes this is not a one-year fix, 
and it's going to take a little while to put my stamp on the scene. Yeah, and I think he also, the thing he can't say in the news conference yesterday, which was its own story, I mean, Matt Patricia was a little uh, chippy, as they say. Yeah, tell um, me a little more about that, if you don't mind, too, <laughs> while, we're, while it came up. I will, but I was, I'll finish off this yeah. my thought. I'll, <laughs> yes. You know, just that I think what, what Matt Patricia can't say is, hey, look, guys, we're not winning the championship this year. You know, this is a right. long-term thing, kind of what you're saying. And and that's what this move says. But in a press conference, you know, they got a game this week. He can't say that publicly to his ticket holders or to his team. They're going to go out and try to win the game. And so he had to dance around it. It was. Now, that press conference yesterday, uh, out of the blue, the Lions actually put the whole thing out. But, you know, the, Patricia came on, and he's a— He's a new head coach. He doesn't have a lot of reps under the lights after a loss. Uh, not many at all. So um, he was asked, obviously, about Golden Tate. Took a couple questions. He wetted him pretty good. And then the third question came along, and it was, it was, you know, it was asked a little. It could have been asked a little more charitably toward him. It was like, hey, how are you better making this move? It wasn't quite that bad, but it, it was a little. You know, it had a little bit of an edge to it, but it wasn't anything out of line. It wasn't disrespectful. I didn't think just listening to it. And Patricia launches into a lecture of the reporter about sit up in your chair, show some respect for the process. Clearly there was some background there, you know, something had been building. Right. But, you know, (laughs) as we sort of see how, I think it's revealing to see how people handle things, you know? And so we, we've got a, you know, an interesting situation in Cleveland where Greg Williams is, not your typical head coach in terms of the things he says and doesn't say, right? He, he gives way too much information. And that Patricia, um, wow, I mean, we're it's early in the year. You know, I mean, what happens if I lose three, three in a row? I might sit towards the back if I was one of the reporters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of raise your hand a little bit. Right. Like, uh, like, like we uh, <laughs> yeah. So th- that was interesting. I thought, wow, this isn't even a tough question. And he was, he was, he was ready to go. He was ready to throw. Yeah, it does sound kind of like a softball. I mean, you know someone's going to ask you about Golden Tate. <laughs> I mean, he just traded the guy. He's, you know. um, speaking of Tate, I really like this move for the Eagles. And, you know, they've been kind of staying out of three wides, a lot of 12 personnel, because Goddard's good and Ertz is a great receiver. But 13, they, don't... they were doing 13 yeah. also. Yeah, you're right. And they don't run the ball very well. Um, their, their offensive tackles have been banged up, and it looks like Peters is playing very injured as we speak. So I think they're looking at it and saying, well, Carson's riding, riding in the shape. He's, we're going to go as far as he can take him. Let's give him some more options. And Tate is so good after the catch, maybe our guys don't have to protect her long to get in his hands. Yeah, there's a couple things I really like about it. Well, number one, last year Wentz was magic on third down. You know, it's, everyone kept saying it's unsustainable, and maybe it, it, he did it though, like the whole year. And then this year they've struggled a little bit on third down. However, so they've like, gotten a lot better yeah. lately since he's yes, gotten they've healthy. Gotten better lately. Yeah, yep. you're right. You're right. They're getting I love better. the guy. So, yep. So they're so I think what we're going to see down the stretch is they're going to be a really good third down team. Mm-hmm. The other thing I like is. If you remember when Golden Tate was in Seattle, uh, the scramble drill was deadly. I mean, Russell Wilson would get outside the pocket, and all of a sudden, um, Golden Tate is putting his hand up, and the ball's going over the head of somebody who came up to try to defend the running quarterback. So, while Matt Stafford, you know, is a better athlete than probably people realize, I think Carson Wentz is closer to Russell Wilson and just his ability to extend plays and run around. And when you have a guy like Golden Tate who's been in that type of offense, made huge plays off of it, if he can develop a rapport and sort of a feel with 
um, Carson Wentz. That could be the big play in the wild card round if they find themselves there that gets you the win, you know, where you just yeah. get that extra touchdown. So I like that. I think Golden Tate's a tough player who brings something to your team, has something left. He, he doesn't have to be, uh, he doesn't have to have all of the speed he ever had to be good. I mean, he catches short passes, you know, but I think he can work, he, he, he has the potential to work with Wentz on extended plays that could benefit the Eagles. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, we're going to take a real super sh- short, quick break here and come back, and I want to talk about two other trades uh, as well as a bunch of other things around the league. So we'll be right back. All right, all right. We talked about Tate's last segment. I think adding Demarius Thomas is a good move. I think I would have preferred a Deshaun Jackson just for the speed, fuller replacement element. And I don't know if that was possible, and maybe he'd have come cheaper. But I think Thomas serves a major purpose. And what I've been saying all along with this trade is you're not going to quadruple cover DeAndre Hopkins now, at least. I mean, without the deal, Hopkins is going to have a tough go of things. Absolutely. And and I agree that a Deshaun Watson would have been the choice. But I think Tampa Bay is in that weird spot where those guys are all on the hot seat and they can't make a long-term move. You know, Right. <laughs> you know, they, can't, they can't unload a guy just because he may not be there next year. They, they need everything all hands on deck right now. So that, that could be why he wasn't available. I would have liked that better too. Demarius Thomas, I was, I was not sure Denver was going to be how easy it was going to be to unload him. And so they didn't get a ton in return. I think they were just ready to ready to move on. They got Cortland Sutton. It made sense for them. This has been no secret at all that, that Demarius Thomas is on his way out um, of Denver. And, and you know, if it gives him a spark, you know, look, I like, I had in my list of trades, I wanted to see happen before the deadline. I, I had even Indy adding a receiver, you know, just, just add some firepower and mm-hmm. keep, trying to make a charge in this winnable division. It's a very winnable division. Jacksonville is not running away with this thing at all. They're going in the wrong direction. You know, why not? If you're Houston, I think you have a responsibility to your team, to your fans, to seize the moment. And this is a good addition that doesn't cost you too much and helps your young quarterback, which is another big part of this. I mean, I think even if you weren't a contending team, you want to be helping your young quarterback. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, to me, it makes perfect sense just with – Staying competitive, the injuries that befell you, I don't know if that's a word, but um, I don't love Demarius Thomas, and he gets really expensive next year. He probably won't be back either way, but take a shot. Get get Watson into the playoffs. Learn more. You know, develop, develop a culture there in Houston. Um, the Rams have certainly <laughs> developed a culture in a very, very short amount of time, and I know that they needed an edge player. And I know that Fowler is a is a talented former early pick, but you got to plan for the future a little bit, don't you? Well, here's the deal: they are <laughs> because because if you look at the types of moves they're making, uh-huh. um, they are playing the system. So if we go to the Rams right now, I'm just scrolling down here. The Rams in 2019 have a third round comp pick for Sammy Watkins coming, a third rounder for Trumaine Johnson and two sevenths. So then they mm-hmm. have their own third. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting there with three thirds next year. So, at the end of the round. Yeah, <laughs> but still. Yeah, yeah right. that's fine though. Still, right, right. still they're gonna have they're gonna have three you know, they're gonna have right. three third rounders. So you give up a third um, to try to help you get over the top this year. If he's goes gangbusters and you know you win the Super Bowl or something, um, 
you can decide maybe you re-sign him. If not, you let him go. He signs a decent deal somewhere else. Maybe you get a fourth-round comp pick back the next year. Mm-hmm. So I kind of understand, you know, like a team like Seattle would have probably liked to have done that, but they traded away so many picks they don't have the capital. I think when you have the capital, that's what it's for. You know, take a you're getting a top five pick in the draft who's young, who has had some pass rush production. It's not like he has never had a sack. I think he had eight last year. I think he's been halfway decent this year. So I get it. I in my you know, I thought it could have been Shane Ray, but he's been hurt. I thought it could have been Bruce Irvin, but when you look at Oakland for all the rumors, they're only taking trades for like high picks. You know, they're getting first yeah, rounders. Right, right, right. Trades. So uh, maybe Gruden's not you know, being misleading when he says that they're only doing this because the deals are great. You know, they're getting a lot in return. And they, they could have probably unloaded Bruce Irvin for, who knows, a third, but didn't. So you get Dante Fowler. I don't have a big problem with it. It sounds like you do. What are you worried well, about? Well, I, I did understand the comp pick, but I didn't put two and two together that they have three picks now, very likely at the end of the round, but three-thirds next year. And you can trade those comp picks now. You can, you know, you can move up and get stuff. Um, but there's just so many guys that are going to be free agents after this year. And what I said yesterday is if you win the whole thing, I don't care if you traded every draft pick for the next two years. I mean, that's what we're here to do is to win Super Bowls. But sometime you got to, I mean, don't, don't, don't you max out your credit cards? You, you, you potentially do. You know, I think uh, they're making a run before they have to make a decision on what to pay Jared Goff. And I get it. I mean, Let's go for it. They're the they've been the best team in the league this season, probably. I mean, they're certainly one of the top two or three. They're undefeated. Um, I don't have a problem with it. If they didn't have draft, if they didn't have those comp picks next year, then I would feel a little bit worse about it. But you know, the league's sort of become about maximizing the window. If you want to talk about five year plans and three year plans, well, go back and look at the coaching rosters three years ago. There's like <laughs> right. all, there's like yeah. two coordinators left, probably. I mean, I'm, you know, there's, Nobody laughs, there's like so. half the league had new new offensive coordinators last year. Not so, for long. You know, you take take advantage of what you've got, and in their situation, they've got Wade Phillips. Is he going to be coaching in five years? Who knows? You know, I don't know. Um, they've got. Uh, Jared Goff on a cheap contract. You know, they've got this offensive line, by the way, where Andrew Whitworth and John Sullivan, these guys are at the end. I mean, they've got one, you know, they're they're high ankle sprains away from maybe never being the same again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 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 35-year-old guys, oldest in the league at their positions. So, yep, they're going on the credit card, but I think they're doing it as part of a plan, not I, I don't think it's irresponsible because I do think they have a chance to win it all. A good chance. I got two notes on that, and then I want to ask you a golf question. I mean, I, I, you mentioned that you know he's on his, his rookie contract. I, I meant to say in the last segment, going to get Golden Tate, going to get Demarius Thomas. Both those teams have quarterbacks that are playing well on their rookie contract. I don't know if that's a coincidence. And we had Mike Renner on from Pro Football Focus yesterday, and he what we went over was his Pro Bowl team, or Pro Football Focus's Pro Bowl team. And the Rams line, everyone was at their respective position from that line was mentioned as either a first team or second team player, except for Sullivan and Whitworth, who are both are having pretty good years. But the three dudes that no one ever talks about on that line, namely Blythe, the guard, are really, really having good years. So the future on the line might be brighter than it looks to the average viewer who says, well, Whitworth's going to fall off a cliff and then, you know, Sullivan is not long for this world. They do have some guys. 
They um, do. They yeah. have drafted some guys. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They've addressed it with mid round picks, and they're 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 picking up. Um, I have a question for you, and I don't think this will happen, but might the Rams say Sean McVay is such a good coach? My system is so good. We have all these high priced talents. Maybe we trade Goff and draft another guy and just keep doing that and keep having cheap quarterbacks because I'll coach him up. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I did a column on that in 2014 right before the Dolphins um, or the, right before the Bengals paid Andy Dalton. And my premise was similar. Like, hey, Andy, we know Andy Dalton's not a great quarterback. Would you be better off, you know, drafting a guy? Because if you pay him top of the market, then it's mm-hmm. going to hamstring you. Well, they ended up getting a pretty good deal with him, you know, and I and we can say what we want about him, but it wasn't one of those. It's not at the top of the market. He's playing for half the average per year of Aaron Rodgers right now. So it didn't. It wasn't quite that. But in this case, if they re-sign Goff, it will be near the top of the market. You know, it really sure. will. They're they're going to have to pay him as if he's something that we don't know that he is yet. Especially I mean, if they've won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So um, it would be a gutsy thing to do. You have to remember too. What look at what they traded to get Goff. <laughs> Now that was before Sean McVay was there. Still, but yeah, man, you're they, right. they really went all in to get him. Now, if you could, I th- number one, I think it's a hard thing. I think it's a great thing to talk about. A really, really hard thing, an unrealistic thing to do. Mm-hmm. It affects your whole team. You're also you not know, picking in the top five. You're tearing the fabric of your team if you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of those. It's a fantasy football question, right? If you actually move Jared Goff and trade him somewhere. And then try to get another quarterback. That's a that's an exercise for our computer screens. I just I just don't. There's I human don't beings know. involved in the There's locker room, beings, right? Yeah, locker rooms involved. And oh yeah, by the way, you got to find someone else. You find someone so, else, and you're not going to. You know, who, who, who are you going to get the thirty yeah. second pick? I do understand the dilemma, though. It is I don't like paying a even if the Rams think he's a tier two quarterback. If you're paying him tier one money, then you're losing something. You know, you're gonna. You, I feel like he's still gonna need a lot of support around him. It'll like be harder to give it to him. I don't think that he. I think it's a great question. Now, I thought Kirk Cousins was a tier two to three quarterback, and he's doing great with a good coach. You know, so maybe you can get more out of those guys um, with good coaching, and you're not at as big of a disadvantage when you pay him, what you sort of inevitably have to pay guys at that position. Maybe you use one of those third-round picks on a guy, and he hangs around for two years, and if he's really, really good in the locker room, loves him, you think about it. It sounds good. But right. What, again, but, right. You've got to, but you've got to replace Ndamukong Sue when you decide not to re-sign him. You know, you've got right, to replace right. Aqib Tlaib when he retires. I'm just making that up. You know, no, I know. Um, you've yeah, got... Right. You, you may decide, God, do we want to go to the top of the market on Marcus Peters? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when it, beco- when it becomes hard to invest those picks in a potential quarterback when you've got immediate needs to play right now. And that's what, you know, in their own division, Seattle's run into. You know, they, you need those picks for other things. And they've tried to trade them for players that are established. And they, don't, they haven't had a backup QB as a result for many years. Uh, the Rams go to New Orleans this week. Do you have a hunch on that one? Do you have a pick on that one? That's the game of the week. Well, when it when the game opens, yes, I take the Saints. But when 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 the 
point spread opened, it showed that the Rams were favored. And so every week I, know, I did a thing where it was like, hey, pick your upset of the week. Well, I couldn't file that one fast enough. And then within like <laughs> within like 24 hours before it published, I got an email from work saying, um, yeah, sorry, the money's flipped around on that. You need to find a different upset. And I was like, yeah, because the whole public understood what I understand, which is it's hard to go into New Orleans and win a game right now. I think the Saints are a better team there. I could see this being a shootout type game. It was one of the games we analyzed in my weekly E plus column, talking to people in the league that publishes today. And um, I believe two out of the three guys I talked to in the league also were taking the Saints. I mean, the Rams have a chance, but if it turns into a shootout type game, I like Drew Brees in that type of game. Yeah, I mean, the Rams obviously have a chance. I mean, they have a chance against anyone. I think we all agree that they're probably the best team in the league, but I think the Saints are second and nipping on their heels. I think the Saints' D is coming around, and I'll break it down more tomorrow, but I just want to get your opinion more than anything. But kind of like you said, are you going to outdoel Drew Brees in the Dome? I mean, in that environment with a young quarterback? I like Goff, but I don't know that he's ready to do that. No, you know, what's interesting, though, is, you know, the Rams having two defensive tackles who can get up the field, um, that's... Mm-hmm. You know, sort of been the fear for Drew Brees is as a shorter quarterback, you know, what's coming up the middle. They've tried to solidify the middle of that offensive line for him to have throwing lanes. So now you have Sue and Donald and oh, by the way, they're going to throw Fowler out there trying to, you know, he's going to be trying to get some mention. He knows all eyes are going to be on him. So um, there is a potential for them to be disruptive defensively to Brees. And the thing about the Ram offense is they can they can be up 28 to three on anybody quick. Anybody. So that to me, that's the type of way if the if the Rams win, it's just they just come out and get ahead. Mm-hmm. That's certainly possible. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. And then I've got one more topic I want to discuss here with Mike. All right, we are back. And before Mike and I went on the air, he had a great idea for these Thursday podcasts. From now on, our last segment, the last thing we do every week will be to talk about the Thursday nighter in case you're mowing your lawn on a Friday or Saturday or working out or whatever, listening to this, you could just skip that part if you want. I mean, because if the game already happened, you're not going to want us to break down what's going to happen. But this week's going to be a little different because the game is so terrible. Uh, we got Niners Raiders tonight. And for ClaytonFootball.com, I always break down the Thursday game. And I had the idea that instead of doing that this week, since no one's going to read it and no one cares about it, let's look at what the draft is shaping up to at the top. And what I think is interesting here is I think it's become clear that there are six really bad teams in the league that are really fighting for these spots, you know, one through six. And maybe somebody falters and injuries will happen and somebody else ends up there. But right now, if the draft were to happen, the one in seven Giants would pick first. The one in seven Niners would pick second. The one in six Raiders would pick third. So tonight's game has a lot of meaning in all the wrong reasons. The two and six Bills would pick fourth. The two and six Cardinals would pick fifth. And the two five and one Browns who just fired their offensive coordinator and head coach would pick sixth. Do you remember at Halloween just looking at six teams and saying, wow, they're all awful? (laughs) 
I can't remember the last time. I'm sure it's happened before, but uh, yeah. And I think what's interesting about this group of teams is that I think San Francisco and Oakland fans had hopes going into the year, and even Giants fans, you know, mm-hmm. had outside hopes. Um, I think if you were Buffalo, um, you knew it was going to be tough. In Arizona, with a lot of you know new coach and, court and and quarterback, you didn't know. And Cleveland's Cleveland, so. Those two teams that are playing tonight are interesting ones um, to me because you are financially committed to two quarterbacks, but Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't even stayed healthy, and Derek Carr, is he the guy for John Gruden? So you've got real questions, especially if those teams are at the top of the draft and there's a great quarterback coming out. What, what do you do? Do you trade back to a team that you know really wants to have them? But uh, look, Buffalo has theirs. Arizona has theirs. Cleveland has theirs. So that brings us to the Giants. I mean, how do the Giants factor with these teams? What's their sort of plan of attack in the draft? Because they obviously need a quarterback. Yeah, that's where I was going to go next. Is I thought that was the most interesting thing. The Giants, Niners, Raiders, Bills, Cardinals, Browns. The the Giants are the only one that clearly needs a quarterback. I mean, maybe Oakland goes away from Carr, trades him, yep. and Gruden goes and picks his own guy. Um, Garoppolo has not stayed healthy, but it would shock me if they don't think he's the guy. You know, I mean, they yep. invested big money in him. So the Giants might luck out here as the only one of the terrible teams that needs a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the number one criticism of them last year, not addressing that. Maybe they get away with it. You know, maybe they get that, that good running back and get their quarterback this year. It sure looks like they're going to be in position to do that unless they suddenly and probably get hot. Right, and I don't, I don't know the draft prospects well. I know everyone's talking about Herbert out of Oregon, but he said he's going to stay in. Um, if he doesn't come out, it doesn't seem like there's a no-brainer top of the draft quarterback. But again, I'm very, very preliminary in my studies here. But I also know from doing this long enough, by the draft there will be somebody. You know, like we weren't talking about Mitchell Trubisky at Halloween two years ago. You know, like somebody will climb artificially or not. But one thing I do know is. This is considered a historically great defensive line draft. And the Giants, I mean, they could use it. The Niners could use an edge guy. The Raiders absolutely could use D-line help. I think Buffalo will go pretty much all offense. I think the Cardinals will go pretty much all offense. And the Browns could use a little bit of everything. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of shapes up to be... I, I don't like to look too far ahead. It just I just thought it yeah. was interesting to kind of analyze these garbage teams and how they might be looking at this upcoming draft. Oh, absolutely. And, and to me, even though it's a bad game, you know, the Thursday night game's bad, uh, Oakland's fascinating to me. You know, I think we're mm-hmm. still trying to figure out exactly what Gruden's thinking, how they're building this team, and I think how Carr plays matters. You know, I do. I, yeah, I think he had right. a good game, good game against the Colts. They still lost. But if he doesn't sort of rise to the occasion and and be a ray of hope in a dark season, that's, you know, to me, that's indicative of what they could do after the year because they can get out of his contract. It's only about a seven and a half million dollar, um, you know, dead money hit, which is lower than what his cap number would be on the roster. So they would save if they moved on from him. And you know, when you when you're stockpiling really early picks like they have been doing, the Amari Cooper trade, the Khalil Mack trade. Usually that's to give you ammo to get a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to just get use those picks to replace to find the next Khalil Mack, you would have kept Khalil Mack, right? 
So what do they do at the top? Do they just take a bunch, try to find the next Khalil Max, or are they maneuvering to get the quarterback that John Gruden really has to have? Yeah, it's going to be extremely interesting. I mean, for all these teams, and I want to wrap it up, but I want to have one more little note here that I look at the Bills, and I've been really critical of them, but I always like to look at these teams' big picture, and I really think their defense is basically now in place that only the Jets and the Colts have more cap space than Buffalo. You know, So they might be able to add three, four starters on the offense and just have a very strong offensive offseason and then use these early picks there as well. So I kind of like when teams have a real focus in mind, and I think the Bills could this offseason just – the best offensive guys they can find at any position through free agency in the draft. Yeah, I haven't loved the the way they've approached the quarterback position, and in the no. end, it'll just matter if Josh Allen's good. They are, uh, Matt, one, two, three, four, five, six. They have the seventh oldest players in the league right now. Isn't wow. that not good when you're, you know, when you're kind of a not a good when you're not a good team? Um, that's a little bit concerning to me. So it tells me there could be more dismantling, you know, <laughs> ahead. Right. Um, as you go this off season, and obviously they need they, their offense is just putrid. It is putrid. That's why I wondered, do you try to get something for LaShawn McCoy? You know, are you you're not better without him? But what are you going to do? You need pieces for the future. You need younger pieces for the future. He's a he's a guy I thought would move. And just real quick too, I mentioned the Jets and especially the Colts with all the cap space that these two teams have. I could see those guys being worst to first type possibilities next year. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Patriots, but I could see both those teams being oh. highly competitive. Well, the Colts for sure, because yes. we know Andrew Luck's good and he's back. And I just sort of, I think Chris Ballard's a steady hand, you know, there. Uh, I think they're going to, they haven't done anything dumb. You know, they're just yeah, sort of, right. they're just sort of building the team. And they've got some good young players, I think. And their offensive line has come around. That was a horrible, you know, weakness for them. So. Yeah, um, I agree. And with with the Jets, for Darnold, what do you think is the best? Would you like to see everything come back in terms of Bulls, McKagan, um, you know, Jeremy Bates? Would you want to see it another year? Or do you think that they might be better off making a change? I would like to bring them back. I, I will admit I'm a little biased because Todd was our defensive back coach with the Browns. So I was with him for a year and I thought he was very, very impressive and head coaching material. I also yep. think Bates could really be the right fit. And their offensive personnel, to me, isn't much better than the, the Bills, but they're getting much yep. more out of it. So I kind of think they're making chicken salad out of, you know, I mean, so give them a year with an offensive infusion and then make your decision. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I've always liked Todd Bowles, too. And, um, you know, when they hired Jeremy Bates, you know, I, I, I wasn't 100% sure if that was the best you know, move with the young quarterback, but I kind of feel better about it, you know, the more that I've mm -hmm. seen. So um, I think I would like to see that too. That could be a place where, you know, you hope that the ownership has the vision and you don't just make a change to make a change. Yeah, I 100% agree. Mike, this was awesome. I really enjoy our Thursday conversations. Um, let's do it again next week. We will. Absolutely. Thank you very much.